The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. Notice that they play that disclaimer once during the uh, regular commercial time and once right before my show, I guess. After years of doing controversial shows, um, the uh, Voice America wants to be sure that you know that I'm the one putting, and my guests are the ones putting their um, <laughs> head on the line, their uh, whatever the expression is, <laughs> um, because, you know, yes, indeed, uh, you will hear some rather uh, uh, controversial views coming from me and my guest at times. Um, certainly when it has to do with anything related to terrorism uh, and people's wanting to be in denial and not face what's happening to this country. Today's show is called, Could the Biggest Threat to Our Country Be Sitting in the White House? Um, my guest today is Harvard attorney Joseph Klein. He, his new book, literally uh, the pub date is today, is called Lethal Engagement, Barack Hussein Obama, the United Nations, and Radical Islam. And in this book, as you will be hearing during the show, he is sounding a warning about what is actually happening to our country, what the threats are, and the threats are not all on the outside and not even all in terms of domestic terrorism, unless you want to call Obama a domestic terrorist, I guess. <laughs> Why don't we start there? <laughs> Joseph, welcome to the show. I mean, I guess um, well, thank you. My pleasure. that's sort of in the path that we're going, isn't it? Well, you know, I don't know that I would go so that's far right. <laughs> as to call, call our president a domestic terrorist in the literal sense, but... Uh, I don't ever remember a United States president under either party who has gone abroad on an apology tour, apologizing repeatedly for his own country's alleged wrongdoing. And that's what he started doing shortly after his inauguration last year. He went to Cairo as part of his never-ending aggressive outreach to the Muslim world and he apologized for America's arrogance, its past uh, neo-colonialism, along with the rest of the West. And he said, we're going to have to make amends. And he ticked off a few things, such as making it a lot easier uh, for American Muslims to operate their charities here in this country, which would be fine if they were really charities helping the poor, but a lot of them, as we've learned over the last number of years, have turned out to be fronts for uh, funneling money 
to terrorist organizations like Hamas, and the president is looking the other way. And this is just one of many things that I've seen over the last year and I've written about in Lethal Engagement because uh, I'm, for the first time, really nervous about our country's future. Uh, what kind of America will our children be inheriting from us? Yes, absolutely. Now, let's start back with, um, you, before we got on the air, you started to tell me that you were a block away from 9-11, from ground zero. Um, I, I, I know you said that that has influenced you, but I don't know, were you doing anything, uh, well, I guess, were you involved in, in um, uh, studying terrorism before 9-11, or did that sort of, uh, was that the... What stimulated you to do it? Well, I think uh, I've always had an interest in politics and particularly in foreign policy. And I certainly saw before 9-11 a rising threat from al-Qaeda during the 90s. Bin Laden had uh, declared war on the United States twice during the 90s. And we saw an escalation of attacks starting with the first World Trade Center attack in 93 and the bombing of uh, the embassies in Africa, and then the USS Cole, where 17 of our sailors died, and there was no response, no forceful response from the United States. So you look back on it, 9-11 was kind of part of the natural progression uh, Mm -hmm. of, of bolder and bolder attacks. But I began to take it a lot more personally and got more involved, after that fateful day on 9-11, because I was working a block away from the World Trade Center. That morning, in fact, I took a subway and got off at the World Trade Center station Hmm. just about 30 minutes before the planes hit. And uh, when the first plane hit, the building I was in uh, literally shook. I heard this uh, big thud sound. We ran to the windows. We saw the fire burning as a result of the first plane crashing in, we didn't know what it was. We thought it was probably a small aircraft that had gone uh, off course and had tragically crashed into the tower. And then it wasn't much after that that the second plane hit. And I remember um, my boss saying, you know, we're, we're under attack. Uh, and, and, and there I saw from the 17th floor where I was out of the window not only the fire uh, blazing, but people jumping to their deaths because they had no place to go. The fire was all-consuming, and it was either try to run through the fire and, frankly, burn to death or or, or take this other terrible way out. And uh, that's a a image that's still searing into my mind. Yes, you know, when people... Uh, people who have seen it on television or, or, in, or pr- in print, um, you know, it's horrible enough, but to actually see that in real time and, and a block away must have just been incredibly traumatic. Well, at the time, uh, at least in the local coverage here, uh, stations purposely uh, played down the scenes of people jumping to their death because it, it, was, it was so gruesome to watch. And I understand why. Uh, but, and, and then uh, after that second plane hit, we all went down to the lobby uh, of the building that we were in. And, of course, there was chaos. 
Nobody knew what to do, where to go. And we just scattered. And at time, I was living still in New Jersey, working in Manhattan, but living in New Jersey. So with a group of other people, uh, we made our way toward uh, the river to try to get a ferry across. I got one of the last ferries that was actually going across uh, the uh, Hudson River to New Jersey. But uh, all of us were running in different directions. Uh, the billowing smoke was starting to uh, come close to overtaking us because the uh, one of the towers was beginning to collapse um, and did collapse uh, not too long after uh, the planes hit. And uh, we, we were literally running. Uh, we didn't know what was going to happen next, what other uh, planes were going to crash mm-hmm. where. And uh, you had the acrid smoke, the, the 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 sheer panic, people screaming, and just mass mass chaos. It's, it's something I'll never forget, and we must never forget. And so uh, this motivated me to uh, go from really more of an observer and reader of events to uh, to try to really make some sense of what was going on and. Uh, I've had a long-standing interest in the United Nations going way back. Uh, so I wrote one book in 2005 where I really set forth what I saw as the risks that the United Nations was presenting to us uh, in terms of constraining our freedoms under the mantle of global governance. But then uh, I got increasingly concerned after President Obama's inauguration that he was taking the United Nations much more seriously than the Bush administration. Mm. The U.N. was becoming, as I describe in great detail in lethal engagement, uh, a den of anti-Americanism and particularly the playpen of uh, radical Islamists who were dominating the uh, U.N. Human Rights Council which is a misnomer in its name. Uh, it's really populated by some of the world's worst human rights abuses. And what was one of Obama's first uh, actions in reaching out and trying to, in his words, re-engage with the U.N.? He had us join this travesty. And, uh, and, and then um, we're now becoming a part of a, 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 a U.N. body that puts out resolutions condemning as defamation of religions, any criticism of Islam, saying it's a violation of international law to defame Islam. Hmm. That's coming out of the body that we have now legitimized by hmm. joining it, and then it comes out, and then it goes to the General Assembly, where we also find ourselves in the minority. It's one vote per country, even though we pay almost 25% of the budget. And uh, this is now becoming part of international law, which I describe in lethal engagement, seeps into our own legal system through our activist judges on our courts, that Obama is adding to the court with his uh, nominations, such as Elena Kagan. So it's a big circle here, and I can you know, go, go into some of the specific areas of Islamic law and Sharia that I find very dangerous, and some of Obama's actions uh, in embracing uh, the Islamic agenda, uh, you know, if you like. But uh, 
I think what motivated me to write Lethal Engagement was uh, I, I just a kind of a deja vu. You know, I, I thought that after 9-11, uh, uh, we had woken up as a country to this danger, and instead we're putting our heads back in the sand, not only to the threat of real terrorism again, and we've had a number of incidents in our country, uh, but just to how we treat this threat. Obama wants to effectively give the suspected terrorists full constitutional rights in a civil trial. He wanted to bring, and his attorney general, Eric Holder, wanted to bring the mastermind of 9-11 down here in Manhattan and, and ha- have a civil trial and give them all the rights that American citizens have. This is absolutely crazy. And I, I fear for what's happening here, and that's why I, I wrote Lethal Engagement, and I'd like to discuss it further in the next segment. Yes, and we absolutely will. And, and um, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's so minimizing of the threat of terrorism. To, you know, it's, it's what you it's treating the terrorists like pickpockets or, you know, someone... Uh, someone on trial for a much lesser offense rather than recognizing that this is a war. Um, We need to take a break. My guest is Harvard attorney Joseph Klein, the author of Lethal Engagement, Barack Hussein Obama, the United Nations and Radical Islam. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time, the number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5787. 
472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about uh, the question, is the biggest threat to our country in terms of terrorism, well, and in terms of other things too, sitting in the White House? Um, yes, I went so far as to call Obama a domestic terrorist, but nobody else takes responsibilities for that, um, including my guest, Harvard attorney Joseph Klein. His book, however, uh, is a very, very uh, loud warning that we need to pay attention to. It's just come out. It's called Lethal Engagement, Barack Hussein Obama, the United Nations, and Radical Islam. And although we want, we all want to stick our heads in the sand and pretend that there is, um, that there will never be another 9-11 and that the threat of terrorism has gone away and we should all just sing kumbaya. Um, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't sing kumbaya in terms of trying to create peace in this world, absolutely, but we also can't let our guard down and we need to especially be very aware of what is going on in the world. Um, and that is what Mr. Klein is trying to warn us about. Now, before the break, you were talking about the UN Committee um, on Human Rights, and I want to make sure that I, wa- I want you to go back to that and clarify why, you know, what's going on there and why it's a bad thing that we're legitimizing it, because some people might have thought that you were saying that, you know, every religion, there shouldn't be freedom of religion. So I, I know that's not what you're saying, but could you clarify that? Sure. Uh, and I want to tie it to. Sharia, which is Islamic law, because we're not talking here about the dangers of the pure religious aspects as we in the West would define religious. The prayers five times a day, fasting during Ramadan, not eating pork, that's not the problem. The problem is that you have a whole all-encompassing political, legal, social, economic system called Sharia, that's wedded to the religion of Islam. And the notion of separation of mosque and state is totally foreign to Islamic ideology. Now, with that said, uh, Sharia, which is derived from the Koran, Islam's holy book, and the sayings and actions of Prophet Muhammad, is a whole body of law which includes such uh, rules as it is a crime punishable by death to defame Islam or its prophet Muhammad. Now, what does that mean? It means, uh, for example, as we saw a few years ago, that if a cartoon uh, making fun of Islam or, or Muhammad or any of the practices of Islam uh, is taken to uh, offend the sensibilities of Muslims living in that country, that's considered a a crime, uh, a violation of Sharia. Now, it's one thing to enforce Sharia in in, um, Saudi Arabia or in Iran and so forth, but this is now spreading throughout the West. So to take the question back to uh, the point I was making earlier about the United Nations, the whole agenda uh, of the Islamic bloc, the radical Islamists that I describe in lethal engagement, has been to try to uh, take the 
uh, hard edges off of Islamic ideology by trying to co-opt human rights, uh, words like uh, 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 racism, etc., to portray Muslims as the victim of Western-style oppression and neocolonialism. They have taken over, they being the Islamists and their allies in the Third World, the United Nations Human Rights Council, which is responsible for examining the human rights uh, uh, deficiencies around the world and for putting out resolutions that define what a human right is in terms of international law. Now, freedom of religion, of course, is central to our constitutional liberties and is considered uh, in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights that was uh, passed back in the 1940s and adopted uh, in the United Nations, uh, is considered a universal human right. But the Islamists are taking that, turning it upside down, and saying that if anyone defames Islam or its prophet, that is an insult against their religion, and freedom of speech does not go so far as to permit that under Sharia and by using the United Nations as their vehicle to extend the reach of Sharia, it has now become a violation of international norms to defame Islam. So in other words, taking away our First Amendment rights. Our First Amendment rights to the extent that we uh, in the United States begin to incorporate that international norm into our own system our First Amendment right of free speech and free expression is under assault. And what I see happening and continuing in an accelerated pace is that our courts, our activist judges, Justices Breyer, Ginsburg, Kennedy, and now Justice Sotomayor and Elena Kagan, are looking at the Constitution as something that they can mold into the image that they believe is appropriate for this day and age, and they look to international law and foreign law to define and interpret the provisions in the Constitution that include the First Amendment. So we just heard Justice Stephen Breyer, on ABC last week. And by the way, Justice Breyer is Obama's role model for the ideal Supreme Court justice. That's what Obama has said. And uh, Breyer got on ABC's Good Morning America last week, and he was asked about the uh, Pastor Jones threat, which was never carried out, thankfully, because I think it was a stupid idea and counterproductive, but the threat to burn the Koran. 
And Breyer said, well, he wasn't sure that that would be protected under the First Amendment, even though the Supreme Court has ruled that burning the American flag is protected mm. speech. Now, Breyer has since kind of drawn back from that position. But, you know, here's a, here's a justice that even looked to the Mozambique Constitution in, 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 uh, in Zimbabwe Constitution in, in one of his uh, dissenting opinions mm. for guidance. <laughs> and how to interpret the Constitution. So huh. he's certainly going to look at the United Nations. He's going to look at Europe, where he sees uh, laws that restrict freedom of speech and, and make it a crime uh, to insult a religion uh, a, a, as a hate crime. And it won't be much of a stretch for that to happen here unless we wake up. Well, now, of course, you're not, um, you're not making, you're not encouraging um, the idea that we should all be critical of, uh, you know, or draw funny cartoons or whatever of each other's religion. Absolutely not. I just want to preserve the freedom that people have had in this country. Uh, you know, there, there was uh, about, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago or more now, uh, there was a big controversy here in New York about uh, some art that uh, was extremely derogatory of Christianity. It had some rather vulgar images in it. And the mayor, then Mayor Giuliani was so offended, he wanted the uh, museum in question to take it down. And people all over this city, and then it became a national issue, said, yes, it's offensive, but it's protected speech. Yes, yes. Uh, now, I'm not suggesting that we should be offensive. I think we should be respectful of each other. But we don't want the government coming in yeah. and saying, well, you can't do this and you can't do that, because where does it end? Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, I've been a long-time activist against media violence. And, of course, the First Amendment is what, you know, the people, uh, everyone, all the producers and so on bring up to um, justify being able to have these kinds of movies and television shows, even though research has shown that it does cause people to be violent. So... Um, you know, and of course, the ideal way is not to have the government c come in and, and uh, rule what should be allowed and what shouldn't be allowed, but of course, for people to take responsibility and to realize um, that they don't want to contribute to making the world more violent and, and putting these restrictions on themselves. So yes, you know, you can look, or even, even pornography, you can look at this in many different ways. And yes, it really should stay the way the Constitution wanted it, that it is in the... Um, that we should be able to have the freedom to express ourselves, even if it is offensive. And yes, ideally, we should not want to be offensive to other people. But, you know, I think one of the things that people in this country don't realize, and I only realize it because um, I lived in these countries. Um, I lived in Paris for two and a half years. I lived, well, I lived in Europe altogether for five and a half years, aside from going to medical school there, aside from times that I've been there to visit. And the changes that have taken place over these years in, in, in England, in the UK, and in France, um, because of terrorists coming in and doing, you know, they're more, in those countries, this is more of a problem at this point than it is here, but it's on its way here. Uh, demonstrations in Paris, for example, of radical Islams in the street, making streets be closed because of insisting on praying in the middle of, of streets, in the middle of where cars go and people go, and not letting people go to their homes because of the streets being totally blocked 
by people praying. And it's not as though um, there aren't mosques for people to pray at. It's not the, the idea is not that people can't pray, but it's making a statement. It's, you know, it's just these are shows of strength to um, take over, essentially, how the country is ruled, whether it's, you know, make by Sharia law or, or just, you know, all of these, what you're talking about, all of these um, claiming that to, to prohibit these kinds of things are, um, are against the religion or hate crimes or, you know, not to be allowed because, and, and it's really just things that are very provocative but it is, these are displays of strength. In the UK, there was something about a year ago, and, and it might well be continuing to happen, but there was a, an, something uh, on the internet of um, terrorists in the streets, and the, the policemen in London were being, were not allowed or were told by someone above not to, uh, to try to prevent violence at all costs, whereas they were being sort of chased down the streets yes, by I these protesters. That. I mean, anyone who has seen pictures of this on you, I think they're still on YouTube or if not in the, in, on television, um, these are just frightening and people think, well, this can't happen here. Look at that. That's terrible, but it can't happen here. And folks, it is happening here. It's begun to happen here, and we'll talk about the mosque as an example of that when we come back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest is Joseph Klein. He's the author of Lethal Engagement, Barack Hussein Obama, the United Nations, and Radical Islam. So stay tuned. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to get ahead, you have to stand out from the crowd, the clutter, and the competition. Are you? Tune in each week for Standing Out with Lauren Saunier. Lauren and her guests have the secrets that can help you and your business get noticed, get attention, and achieve your desired results no matter where you're starting from. Standing Out with Lauren Saunier, live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get ready to be a marketing machine. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style, every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. 
Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. By now, this has probably become like a, like a car accident, you know, <laughs> where it's gory to listen to, but you can't turn away from it because, I hope, anyway, because you know you need to know these things. Um, my guest, Joseph Klein, is a Harvard attorney. His book is Lethal Engagement, Barack Hussein Obama, the United Nations and Radical Islam. And before the break, we were t- I was talking about uh, France and, and uh, the U.K., and how already there's an imbalance of power as more and more um, radical Islamists move into these countries, which I think Obama is, <laughs> has increased, uh, has opened the net to more here um, as well, and, and um, trying to change our government into our, our laws, into Sharia law, and so on, um, as Mr. Klein was talking about. And, uh, so, and the concern about this in-your-face provocation, which is exemplified most currently, most recently, or most currently, it's still not, it's, it's still very much alive, unfortunately, um, the proposed mosque, uh, up two blocks away from the ground zero. So talk about that, especially since you're in New York now. I mean, it boggles my mind that it's gotten as far as it has. Well, um, on 9-11 this year, there were, protests against the mosque, which I joined. There were thousands of people there. And there were also very loud, noisy uh, uh, protests supporting the mosque and saying anyone who opposed it was a bigot. And this is always uh, what they throw at you. You're intolerant. You're a bigot. Uh, There's no listening to uh, the concerns, in this case, of the families of people who perished on 9-11. So we have a plan to build a 13-story, $100 million mosque and community center. The head of it is Imam uh, Faisal Abdul Rauf, who fancies himself to be a moderate and a bridge builder. But as more and more has come out about this man, statements that he made shortly after 9-11 that American foreign policy was an accessory to the crime of 9-11, that we have more blood on our hands than al-Qaeda does, uh, and not really being forthright about where the funding for this mosque complex is, is coming from, and not addressing why, given the fact that there already is a mosque uh, that he's presided over for, for years, about four or five blocks away from Ground Zero, why that couldn't be expanded? Why does it have to be Mm. put two blocks uh, away from Ground Zero, a building that would have to be taken down to build a mosque, the very building that a piece of a plane, 
uh, one of the planes that hit the World Trade Center actually came off and hit this building. And body parts were found within 300 feet of where hmm. Mam Ralph wants to build this complex. And he tells us here, and this is an example of another part of Sharia, which is it's obligatory for a Muslim obeying Sharia law to lie, to deceive that the purpose is to advance Islam's commandments yes. and ideology. And how is Imam Ralph uh, exercising this kind of deception? Well, he tells us here, this is all about interfaith healing and uh, opening up this community center to, to everyone. It's good for America. He goes abroad, gives an interview on the Egyptian uh, radio that says, and this is his word, that the mosque is going to be a, quote, icon that the entire Muslim world will be proud of. Mm. In other words, it's a victory monument and will be seen that way uh, by, by many radical Muslims the world over. Yes, and of course that was... Uh, you know, they thought that we were dumb enough at the beginning, which, which we were at the beginning, uh, to not realize what the name of the mosque stood for. Do you want to tell Well, the, the name, and they've been going back and forth on this, but the name that was given to it was Cordova House. And, again, uh, in trying to make over their image, Cordova was portrayed as the city of tolerance uh, and, uh, and during the... A uh, time in which uh, Muslims ruled in Spain, uh, but as people looked into it a little bit more, uh, it turns out that really Cordova was a, a conquest that uh, Muslims uh, have boasted about and want to revive. And at the time, what they did was they built a mosque right over the side of a church in in Cordova. And when that came out, then they started to change the name to Park 51 and then back and forth, just more more of the same. And the issue has never been, as Obama has tried to make it, uh, the issue has never been whether there is a constitutional right uh, to exercise freedom of religion and, and for the owners of the site, assuming they have proper uh, ownership rights to the property, uh, to build a mosque. It's not that they that the government can come in and say, no, you can't. It's just a question of whether they're good neighbors, whether they're considerate of, of the people who lost loved ones on 9-11. Why does it have to be such a large complex towering over any synagogue or church in all of Manhattan, let alone down there? There are 100 mosques in, in, in New York, uh, several already downtown, including, as I mentioned, one of few blocks further away from Ground Zero, uh, why uh, this in-the-face provocation? Well, yes, and this whole idea of calling it Cordoba, and, and now his further um, cementing the, that this was the reason, it was to be an icon, was to show, uh, was to sort of stake their claim, essentially, to the island of Manhattan, and essentially to, to America, was to show that not only did we, you know, tear down or, or uh, destroy uh, the World Trade Center and the other sites at, of 9/11, but now we're we're sticking our flag in the ground and proclaiming it um, that we're proclaiming that we've won. We're claiming our territory is what it really is. And Obama has failed us again because uh, this Imam Ralph said a week or so ago that if he doesn't get his way and he's pressured to move the mosque. 
He predicts violence will erupt all over the world against Americans. Yes. And the president gets on TV in a press conference and says he's the commander-in-chief and it's outrageous that we have this pastor down in Florida who, who uh, could, could cause uh, harm uh, against our troops if he goes forward and burns the Koran. Uh, yes, that's a big concern. But he says not one word about a threat yes. to Americans here and abroad from this imam that if he doesn't get his way, uh, watch out. Yes. Now, my listeners who um, heard on my show about a couple of months ago um, when I had as one of the guests Walid Shubat, and I'm sure you're familiar with him, um, who was a former terrorist who now has for the last several years been trying to warn America um, about what's afoot and who reads uh, Arab newspapers and watches Arab media to to find out exactly you know what people are saying there, which is so different as you pointed out uh, to he what is being said here. From, and he said from Arabic, some of what Ralph said. Uh, yes, yeah. and and he said, well, Shubad said when I had him on, as I said about a couple of months ago, um, he warned that this was going to be happening. That that if there was pro- that, that that in fact the Iman couldn't lose either the mosque gets built, and that's their claim, um, or the mosque doesn't get built, and he uses that as a, a reason to incite violence. And in fact, it's come true. Order, order. Uh place collective guilt on the American people for being intolerant and bigoted, a narrative which President Obama feeds right into. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, trying to twist it around to saying that we're not letting Muslims build mosques, which, of course, is ridiculous. But, you know, ironically or sadly, um, this whole mosque incident um, is having lots of fallout because, you know, it's scaring people in America. It's not getting people to, to do enough in terms of acting, but it's scaring some of them. And it is, um, the fear is causing some intolerance to other mosques around the country. And, and again, we have to distinguish between the pure religious aspects of Islam yes. and devout Muslims who, who, uh, uh, who are peaceful, who are law-abiding, and who just want to follow uh, the religious uh, path of prayer and charity, true charity, not funding of terrorists, but true charity, helping the poor. There, those themes we can resonate to and respect. And there are uh, mosques, of course, all over the country, many, and over 100 here in New York. But we have to separate that from this ideology that essentially elevates Islamic law into something that's seen as supreme to human, human-made law, including our Constitution, as well as any other religion. Yes. Well, we do need to take another break. Um, lots to think about. My guest is uh, Joseph Klein. He's the author of Lethal Engagement, Barack Hussein Obama, The United Nations and Radical Islam. It's uh, on sale as of today. <laughs> I'm sure I'll ask you at the end where people can get it. I'm sure it's where all books are sold, but we'll come back to that. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy are every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with Joseph Klein, a Harvard attorney who's written Lethal Engagement, Barack Hussein Obama, the United Nations and Radical Islam. Um, you know, I keep thinking, I keep having this vision of students in classes in the future who are scratching their heads, looking back at this time in history, um, and, of course, they'll all be wearing, uh, I don't know what they'll be wearing, but, um, and saying, how could we, America, have been so stupid? Um, you know, I know it's simplistic, but at the election, um, when I was actually uh, involved with trying to help um, McCain get elected, and did a lot of shows on that as well. Um, one of the things I pointed out, and of course this is simplistic and silly in a way, but then not, because, I mean, as it's turning out, um, you know, and I'm sure you called, I mean, the, the idea of Obama and Osama, and I'm sure when you called, made the title of your book, you didn't just say Barack, Barack Obama, you said Barack Hussein Obama, uh, making the same point. But all these things, what you were talking about at the beginning of the show, Obama trying to make amends, 
um, and trying and and being in such denial or with a more sinister motive underneath, um, and how this is getting to be more making just becoming putting our country in more and more danger each day and because people the general public all of you who are listening who are probably tired of me talking about terrorism again and again but you're going to be the ones who are going to be ahead of the curve um, and hopefully I'm stimulating some of you to do something about this um, but you know it, it's so easy for someone like Obama to have these other agendas and to get all these things done some surreptitiously because we don't want to hear about it. We don't want to hear about our country being in danger and so on, and we have to pick our heads up out of the sand before one day we wake up and, and you know, there's a lot more at risk or, or we're having another 9-11 or another, in a different way. I mean, it's, it's when, it's not if. And, um, and so well, I'll, I want to give you the time to talk about now how, how um, something very serious is coming. Well, it's been coming. I mean, I can remember... Um, for years now, this threat of Iran to to well, this this not it's not even just a threat. This um, goal of Iran to have nuclear weapons, and we for years now, and of course it's gotten worse with Obama being in the White House. Um, just sit by and try to you know try to talk about it. I'm not saying you shouldn't talk, but I mean it's it's the, as though we're not taking this seriously, and and they are just laughing at us all the way. And as they continue to build their arsenal. They're playing us for fools, and I didn't pick the title Lethal Engagement uh, for nothing. The word engagement is the mantra of the Obama administration. If, you, if, if your listeners recall before uh, he was elected during the campaign, back during the primary campaigns, he talked about uh, wanting to engage in unconditional negotiations with the thugs in Iran a lot of people criticized it, but he, he went ahead and that's what he started to do. Uh, 18, 19 months have passed. The Iranians are much closer than ever before to achieving their ambitions of a nuclear arms capability. We got the UN after months of, of, of wrangling with China and Russia to pass some fairly weak uh, sanctions, and then we imposed some of our own. But what is uh, the Obama administration now saying? When Obama comes to, back to the United Nations uh, later this week, the White House said, well, one of his objectives is going to be to try to uh, get Iran to re-engage with, with the international community. Re-engage. They never engaged in the first place yes. with any sincerity. Yes. And we're going to sit down with these thugs again and, and, and even give them the time of day. And more dangerous than even that is something that Obama started last year. And, uh, you know, I write for Canada Free Press and Front Page Magazine on, on the U.N. And so I was uh, at the U.N. last year when this happened and attended press conferences and so forth. Uh, he took the leadership role in uh, trying to get the world community to agree to universal nuclear disarmament. Well, that's fine if everybody went along, but, uh, you know, what he forgot or he just doesn't want to admit is that you have Iran, you have North Korea, and you have other countries that are trying to get their hands on the nuclear bomb, and whether they sign a piece of paper or not saying yes. that they won't or they or uh, develop or they'll get rid of their nuclear arms, 
will will abide by it, and they won't. And uh, you know, even French President Sarkozy, and I don't often quote French uh, in areas about national security, but even he said last year that Obama was living in a in, in a quote virtual world. Mm. Um, and I, I actually had the opportunity to ask. Uh, U.N. Ambassador Susan Rice, well, what, was, what, what is this all about? What is Obama hoping to achieve? And are we at least going to call out and, and, and uh, target Iran and North Korea as part of this effort? She said, no, this isn't about specific countries. Hmm. It's about getting consensus uh, and, 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 and getting the United Nations more front and center in uh, helping to administer this unilateral I call it unilateral disarmament, but they're trying to portray it as universal disarmament. Uh, there would be an enforcement agency at the UN uh, if, if they have their way. We would we would abide by it under Obama, and the thugs in the world wouldn't. And why is Obama taking this uh, leadership role? Well, he said we have a moral responsibility to lead because of what we did in Hiroshima, hmm. and he wants a quote world without nuclear weapons. Hmm. So this this is this is another example uh, of, of many. Uh, he, he won't even identify our enemy as they truly are: Islamic terrorists, jihadists. Those words are are forbidden in the Obama administration. No more enhanced interrogation techniques because it's a violation of international law. So say uh, these UN officials who have condemned it. So Obama instead is using. Uh, the Army Field Manual, which is on the Internet and really uh, lays out on the Internet everything that any uh, detainee can expect. And one of the things that the Army Field Manual prohibits is sleep deprivation, uh, less than four hours sleep per night. Well, I, I got less than that when I was in college. I was just going to say that. In fact, I probably get less than that even now, so I, I don't know if I'm being tortured or self-tortured. <laughs> yes, so. I mean, you know, it, it, this is so... It's crazy. It, it, yes, this is so absolutely crazy, and that, that's, that's what I was saying when... When students, you know, read about assuming there are still textbooks and, and assuming that there is truth in the textbooks that students are going to be able to read, they're going to be scratching their heads and just wondering why were the American people asleep? How did they let this happen? You know, well, don't forget what's going on at the universities, and I also talk about this in lethal engagement. We have this whole strand of multiculturalism and uh, reexamining the uh, evil West and our imperialist past and looking at uh, the third world, including Muslim nations, as the victims. Again, the same ideology that I think Obama has. There are professors uh, throughout the university systems uh, who uh, maybe were former Marxists or still are, or but whatever it is, they always will blame America first. And they're indoctrinating students with that ideology, hopefully, uh, this generation of, of students will uh, see through it. Well, that's why we need books like yours and people like you to speak out and tell people where they can get your book. Yes, Lethal Engagement is available now on Amazon.com, Borders.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and you certainly can order it through any of, of your bookstores. I really urge your listeners to get a hold of it because it's packed full of a lot of uh, things that are going wrong under Obama, and I do have a chapter with some good concrete steps to 
get our country back on the right course. Ah, maybe I'll have to have you back on to talk about that once people are <laughs> recognize that there is a problem. That's it. First, we have to recognize the problem, and then we can solve it. Exactly. Well, thank you very much. My guest again is Joseph Klein. He's a Harvard attorney, and his new book just came out today called Lethal Engagement, Barack Hussein Obama, the United Nations, and Radical Islam. And please go and read it, especially that chapter of what you can do about it. But re- even before you, before you believe that there's, we need to do something, you need to understand the problem. And we've given you, he's given you the highlights today. So I know it's not... Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not necessarily things that you want to hear, but it's better now to hear them so that you, there's time still to do things about it. Thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.